Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm excited to announce the release of my second novel, Truth, available now on Amazon. Here's a short description. As host of a popular conservative news show, Leo Price's business is conspiracies and fake news, and business is booming. But one picture changes everything. Leo is given a single photo decades old that reveals shocking crimes by those in power. Missing his past career as a real journalist, Leo wants to investigate, but chasing this story could cost him his job and maybe even his life. But forgetting isn't an option. Since his discovery, pale, lidless eyes are creeping into his vision. Nightmares of torture and death are invading his sleep. All he hears are whispers of lies. Something's tormenting him, and it won't let him forget what he's learned. Leo must reveal the truth or be haunted by it. It's a great book for fans of psychological horror or political mystery. The link to purchase it is in the show notes or at my website, RobbieDorman.com. You can also read it for free with Kindle Unlimited. I appreciate you checking it out. Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic, and uh, obviously because of this episode, I will be changing my religion to maybe. Is that a reference to something? No, it's not. I was just like, uh, I don't want to call it any particular religion as being different, so I'm just going to say maybe. <laughs> okay. We are uh, joined by a very special guest, friend of the show, Andrew. Andrew Bloom of the net is here to also discuss this episode. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing well, Robbie, and thank you guys for having me back, despite my corporate patronage from the National Sugar Cube Association. <laughs> a little clip-clop. It's like, uh, who wouldn't want a pony made of three little boys? Wait, that came out worse than I expected. I think, so sorry. I think, I think it was only two, Matt, to be fair. Oh, that's right. It was only two. It was it just was, Ralph and the... It was Ralph and Millhouse. Millhouse. Yeah. Homer has the mind of a little boy, but he was more, <laughs> more just complicit in the ruse rather than a participant uh -huh. in the pony. Don't appreciate your ruse, madam. Uh, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our, all of our bonus content. Uh, much, much money, many mucho, mucho things to listen to. If you go check that out, encourage everyone to do so. Appreciate everyone who does support the show. We can start discussion of this week's episode. It is She of Little Faith, episode D-A-B-F-O-2, originally aired December 16th, 2001, written by Bill Freyberger. It is his first episode, and it was directed by Stephen Dean Moore. Uh, I don't know what the ratings is. I assume they're good. I'm sure they're fine. Probably like 11. That's my guess. Uh, the chalkboard gag, I do not have a serial named after me. Which is obviously untrue. Uh, obviously, he has to have a serial uh, named after him. It's, it's Bart, right? There was a Simpsons serial? Yeah. They, there were two. That, I think they were around the same time. There was one that was just like Bart Simpson peanut butter chocolate bombs or something like that. And oh, was see, this is obviously the best time to bring that back. I mean, they've got hundreds of cereals on the cereal aisle now. Might as well bring back the Simpsons cereal. It's... Now it's sure. is more popular than ever. <laughs> I mean, give them that's, a couple years under Disney, man. That's true. They'll, they'll save it for the next movie. Maybe they'll revitalize them. We don't know. The couch gag slot machine with the family as the winning combo. 
It's all right. But no Maggie. Eh, she's... Eh. She's extraneous. What? <laughs> what? I will not hey. stand for this Maggie slander. <laughs> if I'm making a slot machine with the Simpsons and I have to cut someone of the core family... Just just put her with Marge. That's what they always do. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're part of a pair. It, it's like a master blaster. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, you just... You just put you just put Maggie in a little backpack what? on the front. She's basically Master, Master Blaster. Blaster. I would have. Why don't you just go with Krang, Matt? You could have gone with Krang. Well, that works too, but Master Blaster is more fun. Obviously, Maggie's the brains of that operation. No, Matt. No, Master Blaster is very bad. Not good at all. Does not. Master Blaster would never exist if they tried to make that work in a Mad Max movie <laughs> in 2019. At least I don't think they would. Beyond Thunderdome's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Uh, yes, this episode guest stars Richard Gere as Richard Gere. Whoa. A celebrity star as themselves. This must be great. A role he was born to play. Um, This is also the first episode out from under the dark shadow of Mike Scully. And well, no, well, I'm sure we'll have at least a year where his tentacles are still felt throughout the land, but eventually the darkness will fade. You did it, guys! You made it! You're here! here we are. We haven't killed ourselves or one another. <laughs> You're free of Scully's claws. We are. Now we're just under the long, the long, steady, boring reign of Algene. He prefers consistent. <laughs> I said steady? That's... You know, that's not bad. It's also a little tedious at times, but I think I would take tedious. Again, I think that I don't, I know, knowing me, I think I will take the tediousness over the sheer insanity and misanthropy of Mike Scully. (laughs) For we hate everyone and ourselves. I mean, he might as well have been a millennial or a Gen Z. (laughs) Dada is back, Matt. Um, all right, this episode, like Matt just mentioned, still exercising the demons of Mike Scully a little bit. I think we're here and there as we move past and past those seasons, I still think we're going to see the after effects of them. And I still largely, I think this episode is affected by it. And mostly in the first, first act, which I get to talk about. Uh, first act begins with them watching an old, uh, sci-fi movie. Uh, I guess from the 50s, 40s, maybe has a dog in a spacesuit. I think they say 1950s explicitly. They they were, they were, you know, the men are smoking cigarettes and using goggles as uh, breathing aids. So that's good. Um, It's just Bart and Lisa watching the TV and then they see an ad for a model rocket. Um, Bart buys it using Homer's credit card, which he has memorized, which... I've never remember. I can't. That seems. I don't know. I've my my dad memorized his own credit card number, but I could never memorize a credit card number. It's it's too much work. It's too many numbers. I mean, our generation can't even memorize phone numbers. How? That's like even a monkey can remember seven numbers. (laughs) Are you stupider than a monkey? Why? Yes. (laughs) Of course you're not. So. Uh, they buy. I've got, I've got my credit card number memorized. Like it, it, you just have to put it in for so much random crap that taking it out of well, your wallet, uh, the the laziness to effort ratio balances out. 
See, the real problem is uh, credit cards get hacked so often now that I get a new credit. I, I have to memorize a new number every six months, so it's not worth it anymore. I memorized. That's true. I memorized that the the three digit code on the back. That's all I need for my repeat purchases in various stores that have my credit card information saved for me. They're so generous. Um, they buy a model rocket. It takes six to eight weeks to arrive. Um, Man, remember when things took six to eight weeks to arrive instead of two? Or one, depending on where you live. You mean two days? Not one, not two yeah. weeks, but two Sorry, days. Sorry, not weeks. No, no, no. Yes. Two days. Like, I bought something the other day, and I was like, oh, man, I have to wait till the end of the week for this? This is terrible. I have to it's wait. Like in the, a decade. Or I, I have to, or I get chipped something, and it's damaged, so I need to get a replacement. And then it takes additional four days for something. This is ridiculous. Um, Might as well be in China. I might as well. So, Homer... Homer just is there and helps them build a rocket. Is there a reason that Homer agrees to help them build a rocket? He likes the idea of blowing things up and does not trust Bart with explosives, which is the accurate thing to do. I would... see him messing around in the backyard with Bart and Millhouse fairly regularly. Okay, I, I'm just like, I'm just, I don't need a reason. I'm just curious uh, because it's fine. Apparently, originally, this was supposed to be Marge helping them build the rocket. Really? Yeah. But I mean, that would be cool, but I just didn't see that happening. No. I mean, there's one other thing about this rocket that we'll be discussing that is very good that they got cut from this episode. Um, but so Homer helps them build a rocket and we see the various stages of rocketry. Although this is the, definitely the sculliest of all the parts of this episode because they built, they bought one rocket, right? Well, yes. And then they didn't blow it up and then they blow up another. And I'm assuming that each one of these little bits has six to eight weeks in between it. It's oh. like Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back. Time operates differently in the Simpsons backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying that like they, we see multiple rockets blow up. We get jokes about explosions. I can't really pull any of these clips because they're all like eight seconds long and then explosions. It's not really a visual gag, maybe about eyebrows. Yeah, we get Milhouse missing his eyebrows. Um, and then finally, we after I think two miss miss uh, misfires, explosions of rockets. We see that Flanders is, has his own rocket kit and he's building it with Rod and Todd. It does. It goes wonderfully because, of course, it does. It 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 is a perfect launch, and then it floats gently back down into its own box. Which you know, building rockets. I don't know if you guys ever have. It's not really that complex. You, you put some wings on them, you stuff the engine in the end, and you run some cable over to where you hit the butt. I don't understand how the Simpsons are constantly blowing things up. I mean, I mean, Homer managed to start a fire with cereal and milk, so it's plausible within the Simpsons universe to me. <laughs> that is true. Oh, Homer has this aura of entropy around him that just lights things on fire. <laughs> Where's the episode about Homer's entropy aura? Hmm. I'm pretty sure that's called The Simpsons. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Homer, Homer is now jealous because Flanders is doing it better than him, so he brings in the three nerds, don't remember any of their names. Doesn't really matter because they are here only for this scene. They help him build a, a better rocket. And then he tells them to leave along with Millhouse. Because, you know, no nerds can be around, of course. <laughs> Out there they get to see their the product of their work. And then they launch a hamster 
into space. The the hamster. Not just any hamster. Nibbles. It is Nibbles, my favorite hamster. Uh, he survived the events of, of the Skinner being snowed in. He did. You finally get closure. I don't. I didn't really need closure about Nibbles. I was kind of cool with Nibbles just rolling his ball off into the sunset. And we don't ever see Nibbles again. But Nibbles is married now to a uh, a, a to a, a mother hamster who has eaten some of her children. Which is sensible, according to Marge. I, I have to say, that is one of my favorite lines in the episode. It's just Marge being worried and then oddly reassured by the fact that the mom ate three of her babies. It's a... A dark gag, but a funny one. It's honestly like, I don't, yeah. It doesn't have the meanness or the unreal, the unrealism of like Homer getting clawed, his his body cavity clawed open by a badger, which has also happened in the Simpsons backyard in recent seasons. Um, So they launch a rocket, finally, with the help of the nerds, with Nibbles inside, they launch it. It, it, lo- it looks like it's doing well, but then it starts going off course, starts uh, pinwheeling, and Nibbles, instead of trying to correct course like he should, as a proper hamster knot. Hamster knot, huh? What would you call him that? A uh, rodent knot. He's a. Come on. He's a rodent. Come on. He's a hamster, first hey. and foremost. Whoa, whoa. All right, Mr. Racist. <laughs> hey, I've read those documentaries. Uh, those. Uh, the Brian. Brian Jake's books about, you know, Redwall and Marvel. Brian Jake's, huh? That's, that's what you're going with, Brian Jake's? That's how you pronounce his name. Jacques. It's Matt. His The correct pronunciation is Brian Jake's, all right? I was in his fan club as an eight-year-old, all right? I sent him a letter, mm-hmm. and I got a whole bunch of packets back. I did a lot of research on him. His proper name is Brian Jake's, all right? He's British, not French. Uh, That's not the way he spells it, so no. It doesn't matter how he spells it. That's how it's pronounced. I'm, I'm technically correct. Say it. I'm technically correct. No, I don't believe you are. I think you're I'm, lying. Frankly, but I've read Martin the Warrior and all those other books about r- little uh, woodland animals uh, killing each other with swords. <laughs> and there is a big difference. All right. Like hamsters are on the good guy team and like certain ro- rodents are on the bad guy team. Like, well, of course. Like, sh- obviously sh- like shrews. I, I don't know about Robbie, but I don't see Phylum. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If any anyone out there who's not all right, that's read, the end of our jokes. <laughs> has anyone read any of the Redwall books by Brian Jakes? You should. You should. If you want to have nice, friendly children's stories about rodents murdering each other, you can go check them out. So he he nibbles ejects. He gets out of dodge, and the rocket crashes into the ship. Into the ship. Into the church. Ricochets around. Sets the church on fire. Uh, and we go to commercial at seven minutes and five seconds. Wait, you left off the, the act closing line. You, you left out the act closing line, Robbie. I I did. You're right, Andrew. I did do that. Well, I'm, it's almost I'm like it wasn't worth talking about. You. Oh, okay. I'll go back to my hidey hole. I, 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 yes, I, I again, I, there's not a lot. Of, I can't I like I could pull like six second clips, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, Marge. Uh, so, so, yes. Marge blames Homer. And what what are the exact words she, are? She calls, it, she calls it the worst thing he's ever done. And Homer says, you've said that so often it's lost all meaning. I don't, yeah. really, I don't really like that line. 
because it, it is again a it feels like a Scully year line. Uh, but it's it's glancing in its meta ness, and it's just gray enough to work for me. I again, I don't, I will give this first act more of a pass than I gave the first act last episode, but I still think it's largely a waste. It's fine. It's fine. And it, it it is more on topic than last week's first act because first act, the last, last week's first act was about, you know, humiliating Marge. This one is just about a rocket and, you know, Homer and Bart and, you know, various other people, <laughs> you know, blowing up the church. It's, you know, and it, that the church leads to the plot, which is something. Paper towels are nothing to do with, you know, murder mysteries, largely. I mean, I don't disagree that it's a waste, but it's a funny waste. That's what I appreciate about it relative to some disconnected Simpsons first act. I feel like there's more more laughs per minute with the Michigas involving the rocket launch than there is usually. Your mileage may vary. Um, that's where I'm. That's I, 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 I enjoy Act Two and Act Three a lot. Act One, eh? Rocket. It's fine. It's not bad. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And and because it's fine, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Finally, <laughs> so seven minutes of airtime that we have done thirty minutes on. We've not done thirty uh, minutes, Matt. Come on. You're right. It's only been twenty. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so we're starting to get to the actual point of the episode by the time we get to the second act, and that is that they need to fix the church, uh, basically. And of course, it being a church, especially in a you know uh, relatively poor town like Springfield, the ideas are not exactly forthcoming. Uh, there get together a group of people, including Marge and Reverend Lovejoy and Flanders and Kearney, uh, who is a teenager and the parent of a teenager. Note the mathematical impossibility there. Uh, luckily for them, however, Mr. Burns shows up to be his usual helpful self. <gasps> I've got the answer. Just let me run this church like a business. It's kind of you to offer, Mr. Burns, but buzz around town is that you're, well, evil. Ooh, that's just a skip rope, Ryan. Believe me, the Lord's going to go for this in a big way. Now, who's with me? Oh, I guess we have no choice. Excellent. You'll get yours. Uh, in case you missed it, yes, at the end of that is Burns telling God that God will get his uh, from, I, I guess Mr. Burns is going to get revenge on God, which is the kind of thing I believe he would say. I'm all for a uh, episode about Burns' war on God. I mean, that would be fantastic. I just want to see Burns screw himself over again and again and again. It's, it's just Preacher, but Burns is the main character. Wow, that actually seems plausible now. Mm. All right. Now I do want to see that. Eh. It's, it probably wouldn't work. Jesse Custer is a very unique character. I so yes. I, I also I understand that for the plot purposes they have to just forget all this. Is Homer literally launching a rocket into the church just immediately forgotten? I mean, what, what are they supposed to do? They have to deal with the problem more than place blame about it. I believe you would arrest him or sue him for money. Yeah, let's let's sue Homer for money. That's gonna work I'm out real just saying, well. Like it's just completely. What do you want? Is blue pants? <laughs> <laughs> also, also, how are they supposed to know who caused the problem? I mean, Mar- rocket just fell. Marge is like there. Up. Does Marge not? She's just like I'll just I'll just be quiet. Uh, yeah. Act of God. <laughs> A rocket is an act of God. I do want to add force majeure. Look at the back of your rocket. <laughs> I do want to. I won't argue with the lawyer. Uh, the, the 
there is Homer has his initials on that rocket, HJS. And there is a deleted a scene that they cut after 9-11 of let me get this. Let me see. Uh, a scene from the subplot was removed from the episode. Uh, the scene would show a man named Hassan J. Salam being arrested by policemen who thinks the rocket was launched by him. Okay, yeah, uh, that is maybe they could have just gone with a, a normal person with a, a you know a, a very white name getting arrested for that. Like I, I mean, it was they deleted it, f- 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 thankfully, but I think they again it probably was part of the the subplot was like oh they they uh, they put it on this other guy he's the reason it burnt down so Homer's I mean scot-free. that's probably the most honest uh, accusation they could make. <laughs> yes, they just arrested some innocent man. Who had nothing to do with well, it. Well, it's it's small town police. Obviously, you go to the non-white person first. Of course. So you could see it being a legitimate effort to make fun of racial profiling, but it's just a little too pull off. So probably for the best that it didn't make it into the episode proper. Yes, that is true. So yes, uh, at this point, uh, Mr. Burns offers to help, and they reluctantly take his uh, offer uh, up. And he, because Burns brings in Lindsay Nagel, because why would he do something himself when he can force somebody else to do it? Uh, and of course, Lindsay Nagel's idea is traditional business: uh, let's sell some ad space and you know co-locate some other businesses inside the church. Uh, so. Of course, that's what they do. So there's ads everywhere. Uh, but luckily, uh, revenue is, is it's skyrocketing because, of, you know, obviously they've sold their soul. What are they doing to the church? We're rebranding it. The old church was skewing pious. We prefer a faith-based emporium teeming with impulse buy items. I feel like I want to throw up. Then my work is done. Exactly. Uh, when a marketing person is done with anything, if you want to throw up, then they've done their job. Uh, so Lindsay Nagel is pretty much out at this point. Uh, and at this point, we get to see the changes that have been made. Uh, we just a short, you know, list of them. Uh, there is now a money changer in the temple uh, because apparently currency exchange uh, is no longer Jesus's number one hated thing. Uh, they just, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a very non subtle gag uh, to anyone who actually knows the tiniest bit of the Bible. Uh, but you know, the church is basically an arena. They got a jumbotron. They've got nice big comfy seats. The reverend has on the pulpit in front of him on the uh what do you call the thing that sits the lectern sorry on the lectern there is a rotating ad panel so they have basically just sold everything they possibly could sell and are making a lot of money for it apparently uh at this point however lisa decides that uh, she has had it and uh she basically freaks out that's it (laughs) quiet lisa everyone in the store is looking at you they should take a good look at themselves and what their church has become. <gasps> Lisa, it's still the same basic message. We've just dressed it up a little. Like the whore of Babylon? <gasps> that is a false analogy. No, it's not. It's apt. Apt! <gasps> Don't you see what Mr. Burns has done to this church? He restored it from nave to narthex. He supersized the pews for the Zaftig believers. He put ice in the urinals. Those are all wonderful things, but they've cost the church its soul. And I, for one, will not be a part of it. Do you want your hand stamped so you can come back in? No, I'm leaving this church forever. Oh, no. I don't know how to feel. You should be very upset. Got it. 
Oh! How is that? A little much. Oh! Wow! <laughs> Those wonderful sounds I had to include just to, you know, annoy you guys, essentially. I liked them. I laughed. I think it's funny. I think those noises are apt. 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 They're apt. That is one of the best jokes of this entire episode. <laughs> I love it Good so much. Good delivery from so, Yardley Smith. It's one of those oh, gags yeah. that, like, the line sounds fine on the page, but sings when somebody delivers it with the right intonation. So kudos to Yardley Smith for that. Yes, indeed. Did. And honestly, this guy, this is the end of Act 2. We're going to commercial again already. Yeah. So 11 minutes and 50 seconds in, Act 2 is, like, five less than five minutes long. It's very, this episode is very strangely paced, really backloaded, and like... Well, yeah, because they couldn't find a good place to split the second half. Like, the first act is the terrible, you know, Mike Scully start, where it's like, oh, uh, you know, we'll have our, our intro to the intro, because obviously the first intro is the rocket thing, then it's the church thing, finally it's the uh, Lisa's religion thing. So they basically split it up into those three things, but then they for some reason decided that they were going to, you know, make the religion thing the main focus of the episode, so it's more than half. I mean, I I'm I'm fine with ultimately I'm like I think it gets there relatively fast considering like how long it takes to get to the actual plot recently. Like giving it 10 solid minutes is good, but frankly it could have used the first 7 minutes of model rocket building to establish more stuff like when you think about lisa the vegetarian which i think is a clear clear cut comparison to this like the episode starts with them going to a petting zoo and seeing the little lambs and then they eat dinner and lisa's like what's the difference between these lambs and lambs i pet today and we get to that the core dilemma of lisa like immediately and we understand what's at stake for her and we start to see that in the, the, the second act. We start to see Lisa going like, I don't, this makes me feel sick. You know, what is happening to this church? But I, I think it could have used a little bit more foreshadowing in that first act. Homer does talk about punching the face of God. So maybe this is divine justice. <laughs> yes, obviously. God is, this is a, oh, there is no, God doesn't show up in this episode. Uh, which is, you know, not. God I mean, is everywhere, Robbie. Uh, I yes. Ooh. How true? Even Ex in this episode, ex except in the Simpsons, we literally got it shown up multiple times as a actual character. So maybe you know we'd have a moment where you know God tells Lisa, "Hey, it's all right. You can just do whatever." Um, I guess it's only in Homer episodes does God show up. God can't That's true because obviously the delusion of Homer. <laughs> <laughs> eh, who knows? Uh, depends how many fingers. M remember, they have sometimes God has four fingers, and sometimes God has five fingers. One of those is real, one of them's not. I well, which one is it? I forget. God which is omnipotent and can appear with as many fingers as he chooses. <laughs> Even in the Simpsons, he can break the rules of the Simpsons, um, especially in the Simpsons. Especially. So, when we come back, we get to the actual meat of the episode: Elisa's crisis of faith, basically. She is seeing what has, has become of her church, and she doesn't really know what to do about it. She feels wrong going to church now because of all the weird ads and marketing and turning the church into a store. Uh, so she prays to try and figure it out. Lord, I'm not turning my back on you. 
I just need to find a temple that's free of corruption. Why do you have to be so different? Always making a big deal out of everything. Oh. Mom, I know it's you. I can't believe you're eavesdropping on my prayers. Mm, honey, I'm worried about your soul. I want at least one person from this family to go to heaven. I still believe in God. I just think there's another path to him or her. Her? She's just kidding, Mr. Lord. Still looking for a new faith? Yep. Hey, how about one of those religions where you eat a human heart? No. How about Methodist? No. Look, I'm not just going to pick a religion that seems cool. I'm going to pick one that's right for me. How about Judaism? When you turn 13, cha-ching! I'm going out for a walk. Cha-ching. Also, uh, she's praying, and somehow Marge has snuck in there and is hiding behind the bed. <laughs> she had to have known Marge was there. I mean, Marge is... She was under the bed and then snuck out. Yeah. Pro wrestling style. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. I needed that. Yeah, I, I, I think the first act is, is largely, a, you know, filler. I think my other problem with this episode, and it's not really, it's not a big problem because I don't think it, it's in, it doesn't it doesn't you know make the episode not work. I think it's more along the lines of how they characterize they make Marge the the antagonist basically for Lisa's crisis of faith, where Marge is the one eavesdropping on her. Marge is the one making cookies for her and then throwing them in the garbage in front of her, and just doesn't i feel like there's like a uh i'm not like i'm not there that's not my marge my marge wouldn't do that you don't think so i think of marge as having the possibility of being petty because that is such a minimally mean thing to do uh it's like she she wants to influence lisa but not in a way that is really deleterious to her in any way uh she just wants to make things life slightly more difficult and it feels to me like the kind of thing marge would absolutely do Maybe not throw them in the trash, but maybe, you know, donate them to someone like, you know, less advantaged children or give them to the church or something. Uh, but, you know, you're right. Throw them in the trash is kind of me, but Bart eats them, so it's okay. I agree with Matt there. Marge is definitely not the kind of person who is vindictive. But at the same time, you're talking about her feeling for Lisa's immortal soul, which is something that, as we've established in prior episodes, is something that moves her and makes her take steps that she wouldn't otherwise necessarily take. And what I like is that even when she's motivated by such a grandiose thing, she's still very Marge-like and very square in her efforts to persuade Lisa. You know, it's, I guess you don't want cookies and you're getting a bath tonight. It's still the same kind of very, very provincial efforts to be persuasive to her kids, which I appreciate. It just, I don't know, it just feels a little mean. And Marge is not mean to Lisa or to Bart, even honestly. That she gives them really. Wh why do you think it seems mean? It doesn't seem mean to me. It just seems petty. Petty is mean, Matt. Man, no, but I mean, like, hmm, I I feel like there is a distinct uh, distinction between the two of them. Uh, <laughs> and I'm losing sparkling wordplay from the engineer here. I'm losing my perspicacity. Exactly. There, there's a very subtle distinction between the two. Marge is not trying to be mean to her. She is trying to influence her by doing something that seems uh, not mean, but just 
out of the ordinary, basically. It's it's light pressure. Ah. It, it's too low stakes to be mean. Exactly. It's well, not harmful enough to be mean. It's just kind of a nudge. If my, okay, if I'm eight years old and my mother makes some cookies for me, and then she says, you can have these cookies if you go to church. If you don't go to church, I'm going to throw them in the trash in front of you. That's not mean? It's more- Maybe to an actual eight-year-old, but this is Lisa we're talking about, and I think this episode is definitely one of the Lisa as a stand-in for one of the writer's episodes. <laughs> I Maybe that's part of my problem. It just feels – it's not I, – I think it stretches Marge a little too much for me. Like, I feel like they they just don't have the right character for this. Like, it's it can't be Flanders or Reverend Lovejoy, even though Lovejoy does, like, obviously – we see him later, like, kind of push Marge, which I do appreciate that part, where Marge is even like, um, I'm supposed to – Christmas? All that stuff, but – it's just Marge, like it's like in Homer the Heretic, Marge prays for Homer. She doesn't know what to do when Homer doesn't go to church anymore. And in a lot of ways, Homer is more childlike, childlike than Lisa is. I just, you know, I feel like Marge is very much like, I'm going to try and kill her with kindness, not kill her with no cookies, which I, I do I like. I think it's cookies. a subtle form of bribery. It's, I mean, it's sort of like, well, you know. People who celebrate these holidays get all these wonderful things, but I guess you're just not interested in that anymore. I mean, I'm going to – here, I'm going to make it very clear to me. Clear to me. Clear to anyone listening. If you make cookies for me and then are in like then you throw them in the garbage in front of me, I'm going to dive in that garbage for those cookies just like Bart did. All right? I'm going to eat – might eat a dog food. It depends later. on what's in the in the, 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 the trash. I mean, if it's just some, like, paper mm. towels or whatever. But if you dumped cat poop on the top of the trash and you dump cookies on top of that, I'm not eating that. Why are you putting cat poop in the garbage, Matt? Because the dog got it out of the litter box, obviously, Robbie. <laughs> okay. You do have distinct problems that most people don't with animals. Right? Well, when you have 17 of them – sorry, we're down to 16 now. Oh, good. Congrats, Matt. You made it down to 16 cats. Thanks. So Lisa now is is frustrated. Uh, she doesn't know what to do. She's looking for a new place to worship. And she says she still believes in God. She just doesn't know. She can't go back to the, the their church. So she want, we get a little, a little vignette of her walking through neon signs that advertise different religions, including one that just says Amish, which I appreciate a lot. Don't break egg. It's a very that's that is a nice subtle advertising Amish with neon lights. Very good. Um, so she finds a Buddhist temple, and Lenny and Carl are there, and Richard Gere is there, and well, of course, obviously he lives in Springfield. I have a clip and hangs out with Lenny and Carl. I have a I have a clip. Oh yeah, if I didn't have inner peace, I'd completely go psycho on all you guys all the time. Well, I'm looking for a new faith, one that isn't so materialistic. Well, you've come to the right place. Buddhism teaches that suffering is caused by desire. <gasps> Richard Gere? Oh, the world's most famous Buddhist. Well, what about the Dalai Lama? Oh, you know, the 14th reincarnation of the Buddha Avalokiteshvara. Who's Buddha? It's a good thing Buddhism teaches freedom from desire, because I've got the desire to kick your ass. Mr. Gear, I was hoping Buddhism could bring me inner peace. Or is that just a pipe dream? <laughs> we all have dreams. Mine is of a free Tibet. That would be so great. I dream about meatball sandwiches. All you can eat for two bucks. Good luck. This pamphlet contains the teachings of the Buddha. All things are impermanent and are empty of inherent existence. Hey, Richard, in an officer and a gentleman, did you really do all those sit-ups? I wish... 
I did one, and they just showed it a thousand times. Nirvana is achieved through right views and right speech. Positive actions lead to happiness, and negative actions lead to unhappiness. No creator gods, just the pursuit of enlightenment. I'm a Buddhist! Hey, I'm a Buddhist! <gasps> My Satan sense is tingling. Into the root cellar, boys! When can we come out? Maybe never. Yep, eternity in a basement with your father. That's what every kid really wants. <laughs> I also want to know, why is Richard Gere in Springfield? Because they need a celebrity cameo, obviously. <laughs> I would say to hang out with Lenny and Carl, but then they seem surprised that he's there. So I don't know. Yeah. He said, oh, we thought you were the janitor. And when when did Lenny and Carl become Buddhists? Uh, at the same time, this episode needed them to be that. <laughs> okay. Fair. At the same time, the Richard Gere scenes needed comic relief that Richard Gere was incapable of providing. Oh, also that. Oh, Richard Gere, he's fine. I, I like Richard Gere, but clearly the people who made this episode thought he was insufficient to lighten up the scenes because he's just there. I, I think they assumed. So my understanding is that part of him agreeing to be a part of the show was that they had to describe Buddhism accurately and say free Tibet and things like that. And so the show felt the need to spackle that exposition and, and detail that was demanded by the guest star with, you know, this mysterious thing called humor that people expect from comedy shows. And if Richard Gere was going to talk about the, the you know, pamphlet version of Buddhism, they were going to have to have some of the town's local idiots to throw in some gags to keep the audience interested. I assume that's the rationale. I mean, I understand, Andrew. I'm just, this is hypothetically, I'm just going like, well, we haven't seen, Lenny and Carl, are, I guess, are not Buddhists anymore ever after this because it's never mentioned again in 18 more years of The Simpsons. So it's very convenient that they're, I guess they're just like Lisa. They're people lip service to, to Christianity as well as being Buddhists. For the rest of the they show, they want to get run out of town. I guess they want to, you By know, an angry mob. The the stone. Well, I mean, they also show up in a lot of church scenes, so I'm pretty sure they're also paid lip service to the local church. Well, that's what I did. That's what I said, Matt. That's what I said. Oh, sorry. You I gotta. Have you have to listen to out. me. That's part of the podcast part. You have to oh, listen to what I, I say. Have to. It's so stressful. It's okay. It'll be over yeah. soon, Matt. Uh -huh. Only 17 more seasons Actually, to go. Only seventeen more seasons. Yeah, so, so far, so far, Disney just owns owns The Simpsons now, and you know how the Disney loves letting cash cows just, you know, wander off into the the, the forever meadow. Of course, now they can actually charge the Fox stations what The Simpsons is worth, so they'll all go under soon. <laughs> so Lisa is now a Buddhist, self declared a Buddhist, and she is trying to meditate. And uh, Marge interrupts her a little bit. Hey, Lisa, what are you doing? I'm planting my own Bodhi tree. If I meditate under it, perhaps I can find inner peace. Honey, is this about some boy at school who doesn't like you? No. Good. I'm just saying that any boy who doesn't like you is not worth your time. Oh, money, pay me home. Oh, money, pay me home. Oh, money, pay me home. You're going to get a bath tonight. Once again with the baths. Also, it's it's never good to for when... Uh, children start speaking in a foreign language their parents don't understand that's just that's that's, that's the main ingredient in getting you know their butt whooped or washed as the case may be or washed in marge's case is does that 
mean, is that literally Marge giving Lisa a bath? Yeah, it's probably more Lisa just has to take a bath. I don't, again, I don't, I don't think that would mean much to Lisa. I think she's... To Lisa, no, but to most eight-year-olds, I feel like uh, a bath is something they're not really into doing uh, all that frequently. And also, Marge is just so square that she can't really come up with punishments. It's like, she doesn't know how to be vindictive. Frankly, kind of adorable. <laughs> poor Marge. I mean, it's true. I mean, poor Marge. She she gets, she can't bring herself to be uh, too strict. She's always left it up to Homer for some reason. <laughs> and Homer's also bad at it. So it's a wonder these kids turned out at, at all, you know, worthwhile in society. They're little Beths. Is that a Rick and Morty reference? It is. I'm, I was trying to bait Robbie, but apparently he didn't take the bait. I'm not. <laughs> Matt, I... My... Anger at Rick and Morty is confined strictly to Patreon podcasts. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just wanted to give our Patreons a taste. I I, I isolate that to then, and I let I don't let my anger let I don't let it filter out. Okay, The Simpsons it filters out. It's impossible, but the Rick and Morty anger it, I don't have nearly the same feelings about it as I do the Simpsons. Um, we get a, a scene with the bullies and Bart where they talk about a, a long-haired carpenter who is i forget the guy i forget his name he's dating it was gunther gunner 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 good name gunner dating dolph's mom jimbo jimbo's mom jimbo's jimbo's, jimbo's mom, jimbo's mom jimbo has, has the rich mom but he's also dating kearney apparently and then that gets kearney beat up and bart helps um, it's worth noting this is kind of a repeat from a similar gag in Homer the Heretic, where he tells the kids, like, oh, it's another crazy guy with a lot of wild ideas. Oh, Marge, you know who I'm talking about? He used to drive that blue car. <laughs> Andrew, are you saying they're, they're repeating jokes? I mean, with you, I'm not going to impose the professional wrestling seven year rule of repetition, but it's been 10 years. You can do a variation on a theme. How dare you? Such a terrible insult to the Simpsons. They reuse things. Not it's, once, not ever. Never. They never do such a thing. Um, so we get Marge and Homer, mostly Marge, very confused about Lisa's decisions. Um, we cut back to the church. I will say, that, again, this episode does like act like everything that happened in the episode actually happened and matters because we cut back to the church. And Mr. Burns is there, and eventually, I guess after failing to disappear in a puff of smoke, just throws them a big stack of money, I guess. I guess this that's him like, oh, whatever, I don't want to have to worry about it anymore, take your money. Uh, and I guess the church is happy to take his blood money. We don't hear anything more blood about money. it. I mean, Mr. Burns is involved, I assume people got hurt or and or hurt or killed, probably. Disconcerted. Well, it's Springfield. Someone gets hurt about what they do. I mean, that's, I'm just, it's Burns. I mean, he, he turned a recycling pit into a murder factory. Hey, he was recycling sea animals that were useless otherwise. <laughs> yes, they serve no purpose in the ocean, clearly. So, after Burns is gone, money issues resolved, now they have to focus on their next big problem, and that is Lisa. Well, next on our agenda, Marge Simpson's devil daughter. She's not a devil. I just don't know what to do. Well, Christmas is coming, huh? Yeah, and Santa doesn't leave presents under the Bodhi tree. You think we can bribe her back with Christmas? 
Marge, you can save more souls with roller skates and easy-bake ovens than with this 2,000-page leaping bill. So, the church is just fully endorsing using Christmas as bribery. Well, at least this particular church does. Because <laughs> as we have I've seen before, Reverend Lovejoy's sermons are not the most interesting. Uh, who wasn't riveted by his sermon on sweet constancy? <laughs> <laughs> and pruditude. <laughs> well, I, I will say, I think the, the 2,000-page sleeping pill line is about as cutting as the show has been in a long time at this point. That is true. The, the cynicism has been thin. It's it's been weirdly applied towards. I don't think it show wasn't cynical under this in the Scully years. I think it was cynical towards family, like it was cynical towards like the connections in between our, the characters. Not in not in the anti-authoritarian, like you know, classically the Simpsons have been. It, it was very much like. It was cynical towards the audience and towards the f in between characters. Like it was actively antagonistic towards the audience at times. And I, I think this is, again, this isn't, this isn't like suddenly 100, 180 degrees. Oh, we're back to season four again. It still, still has some of the hallmarks of the skull ears. And it's not like we're clean sailing from now on there's going to be there are bad episodes still to come in this season and throughout the algene years there are still bad episodes but they genuine generally feel much closer to what the simpsons is versus what mike scully saw the simpsons as and this is just and they're and it's all in these little tiny lines and these little tiny moments where they get they're like oh that feels that feels like the simpsons to me okay i and it's and that's what it is it is sometimes it is very much a feel thing it feels like oh and it's sometimes they fail at it they don't execute on the ideas as well as the golden years did but you can clearly see the effort to try you know and try and make it more like that and that makes all the difference frankly it's the the uh the light at the end of the no wait not light at the end of the tunnel because that assumes that we're dying i think um or is that the light at the end of the that's the light at the end of the tunnel that is light i thought light. i uh, know uh that's go towards the light oh light good. at the end of the tunnel is when you're getting done with something horrible okay good excellent i'm good with my i'm good with words i'm i'm a writer so now we have a plan to get lisa back into the church we're gonna bribe her with christmas and this is a very Hey guys, did you notice it's it's a Christmas episode? Not until now we didn't. <laughs> it's like all Christmas episodes start with rocket play. <laughs> um yes. Uh so they are we we it uh, to the, the this episode did air in December. Uh, it's like a, a week and a half before Christmas. It's not that crazy. It is very much like, and they purposely, they say apparently that they wanted this to be kind of like, oh, we're going to like do like a, like, we're going to sneak our way into a Christmas, to Christmas elements. You know, we're not going to try and force Christmas onto an entire episode. Surprise Christmas. Surprise Christmas. Or this was an episode they just had and they're like, okay, how, we figured out, oh, we're going to switch this episode to the Christmas location. Let's, or the Christmas, you know, what, the air date. Let's change this last act a little bit to be a little more Christmassy. And they just kind of threw it together. No, man, they would never do that. They said themselves, it's a surprise Christmas episode. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's Christmas Day, apparently. I think we cut directly to Christmas Day. And the the family is there, everyone they're singing Christmas carols, and Lisa's wandering around downstairs, and she's she is not tempted at first. She's like, Yeah, Christmas, you know, I'm a Buddhist now, I don't celebrate. And then we have a special present under the tree for Lisa. A, a little pony that is wrapped so that only its mouth is showing. And it's called Clip Clop. And Lisa's tempted at first. It likes sugar cubes. It likes sugar cubes. Lisa's tempted at first. But then she denies it and runs away. And then it is revealed that Clip Clop is actually, as we touched on at the very top of the show, is actually Ralph and Milhouse in a little pony costume, I guess. My question, I have a question. When she opens that present, how long are they going to keep up that charade? I mean, if Ralph is part of it, five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> literally had a real horse before. There's literally an episode called Lisa's Pony. I, I would think that she would see through this and it would only enrage her further and drive her further from Christianity. I'm going to submit something to you, Robbie. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. Maybe Homer and Marge, and by extension, Reverend Lovejoy, did not fully think this plan. <laughs> well, I think... I don't know. That's also, I think, maybe I would I would think that Marge would be a little bit... Maybe she just gave... She, she delegated this task to Homer, and this is what Homer came up with. And Well, I don't know. I mean, we, we saw uh, Reverend Lovejoy and Marge work together in uh, the, the Movementarian episode, uh, Joy of Sect, and their plan wasn't much better, so maybe they just aren't good at working. They need a more creative mind in their midst. Their plot of Joy of Sect worked, didn't it? I mean, kind of, sort of. It didn't work on Homer. Uh, it worked accidentally on home. <laughs> it worked. He got that that taste of that sweet, sweet beer. That's true, I so suppose. But that was that they, was incidental. That was just they, they were recapitulating that exact same plan. They were hoping that when Lisa got that taste of sweet, sweet candy cane, she would be instantly converted. I guess that's fair. It was actually being presidential. <laughs> presidential. Presidential. The C. Well, everyone knows uh, candy canes are uh, very presidential. I was. It was a joke. No, I know. I was making a joke. What is, is there's humor? I was making what a joke. This humor? All right, Richard. you and your terrible wordplay, right, English boy. All right, Richard Gear. Oh, let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> so Lisa runs away again, back to the Buddhist temple to try and consult Richard Gear about what to do and how to handle, and her, also Lenny and Carl, <laughs> and also Lenny and Carl, how to handle her family and what they've done. My family tried to trick me into celebrating Christmas. You know, we are meditating. Oh, sorry. That's all right. I was only about to achieve enlightenment. But who'd want that? Who likes short shorts? I like short shorts. Those guys are way off. Anyway, your family didn't have to trick you. Buddhists respect the diversity of other religions, as long as they're based on love and compassion. What? It's true. So why don't you go home? I'm sure your family really misses you. I can really celebrate Christmas? You can celebrate any holiday. And you know, my birthday is August 31st. Oh, I'll send you an email greeting card. Sweet. Now I really should be getting back to my family. Yeah, I'm spending tonight with my stepdaughter Hannah. I do her hair, then she does mine. We're gonna go spend Christmas with Mo. You know, so we don't have one of his Christmas accidents. Hey, you can't do much without this. 
Oh yes, Mo and homicide jokes—they go together like Suicide, well, Christmas time and the Suicide jokes. Yeah. yeah, but he said they don't have one of his Christmas accidents, so that would imply that he is hurting them. No, he—they had Carl's holding a noose. You don't kill people with nooses. Mo is gonna commit I mean, suicide. You could. It's a suicide joke, Matt, because God forbid they pass an episode of a holiday without Mo trying to kill himself. A thing that the Algeniers do not ever really swerve away from. They're quite happy to have Mo be perpetually suicidal. Um, I don't know a lot about Buddhism. I take it. I take it this episode as word that it's cool that Lisa celebrates Christmas. Um, so she can be Buddhist and still celebrate Christmas. Uh, she agrees to basically pay lip service to Christianity. You came back! Mm, uh, yeah, I wanted to spend Christmas with you guys. So you're back on the winning team? No, I'm still Buddhist, but I can worship with my family too. So you're just going to pay lip service to our church? Uh-huh. That's all I ever asked. Well, I'm just glad you're back. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, honey. I'll pray double hard for both of us. Now let's get you some Christmas cookies. Thanks, Mom. Hey, where's my pony? Yes! Merry Christmas to us all. <laughs> I'm serious. Make with the pony. And a happy and healthy new year. Here, Clip Clop. Here, Pony Pony. Happy, happy new year. Hey, Clip Clop. Clip clop, clip clop. Oh, wait a minute. That pony's not there. Well, obviously, Lisa's going to uh, uh, renege on her deal then to uh, pay lip service to Christianity. Uh, how? I'm a little also a little. I don't know how I feel about this. About it just being literally overt, like Lisa literally saying, I'm just going to pay lip service to Christianity <laughs> to make you guys feel better. And then going just, okay, not Lisa kind of like trying to say it in a nice way to Marge. I think Marge is so overwhelmed with relief that Lisa came back and feel like she could be a part of the family again, that she's kind of willing to set it aside. I don't, it's not even, I don't, I don't know. It just feels, again, a little weird. I think part of it is they ran out of time because this last act is... Super rushed. Yeah, rushed. It is getting trying to get everything in that probably should have been happening before. You know, with, instead of bottle rockets for five minutes. Instead, well, yeah, I mean the, the the church getting hurt should have been like the first thing that happened. Like, oh, something happened to the church, and then we move on from there. But it still works, thank goodness. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I I think that it's the main problem with this is the pacing. It just. It's it it relies on that same formula that the Scullyers did, and it, it, I think it is mostly swerving away from the the attitude of the Scullyers. But the pacing problem is still there, and you get five, six, seven minutes of model rockets, and then oh wait, an actual plot with actual character in it, with actual you know the the conflict is between family members and people who are, and ultimately are well meaning. And then there's resolution at the end and it all happens. It just happens, has to happen in 10 minutes instead of, you know, giving it 15 if you want to, you know, as they dial up the conflict. I I, I still think this episode's like, uh, okay, I'm going to ask 
Is this episode good? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, are we talking compared to the most recent episodes Uh, or to all seasons ever? Is, Matt, is this episode good? I would say it's it's decent. I don't know if I would call it good. I really like where it was going. It's just it's hampered by structural problems. So good might be a little a little rough. I would say it's better than neutral. <laughs> so I would jump in and say yes. I do think it's good. I think it's funny that it is a sound episode, even if it rushes some things, and that the the problems that I have with it, the pacing and the Richard Gear stuff, are. <laughs> Issues, but not major issues. They don't keep me from enjoying it. I think if nothing else, it's a lot funnier than a lot of the episodes around it. And I think, you know, there's some dumb gags, but there's some dumb gags in in even the best Simpsons episodes. It's got a good batting average on humor. It roots the conflict in the characters and it brings the two together. The the comedy comes from the characters. The comedy comes from the situations. It it does a good job. I think I'm... Mostly with Matt on this one. I hesitate to say the word good. It is better than average. It is certainly much better than 90% of the Scully year episodes. Um, it does, it's, it, you know, it's, I think it's interesting in that it gives, a, it is another episode like Lisa the Vegetarian. That is one that gives Lisa actual change to a character. Lisa is a Buddhist from this moment on even if they don't are necessarily consistent with it. You know, that word that Al Jean likes so much, Andrew. I don't know if they're not necessarily consistent all the time with Lisa's Buddhism, but... Speed constancy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's, it, I think it's interesting that they chose to do it and chose to keep it. Um, and I think they should probably be applauded for that because they could have easily just forgotten about it, like many other things that have happened to the characters. I just, I just can't get past, you know, I, 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 I get very upset about wasted time, about efficiency, and the model rocket stuff is fine. It just feels like it, sh- it doesn't belong in this episode. It just feels like random stuff. Like if it was a B plot and there was like ra- it was inter- interlaced with this, and like we had a, it had a different arc altogether. But it doesn't. It's literally just they needed to blow up the church. So it's a model rocket that takes seven minutes. And I just go, uh, it's not like it's, it's not aggressively bad, like a badger ripping open Homer or something like they, like the Scullyers have done. But I want, you know, I want it to be, I want to be quicker. I want them to get to the plot. And especially with the Lisa episode, I think that's, I, that's, that is my personal bias coming in where I go, I like Lisa. I like Lisa episodes in general. And they generally are meaty. They generally require a lot of, a lot of a lot more character because she is a more thoughtful character she will think more about a problem and large she she decides on buddhism by walking down the street until she sees a buddhist temple and then she gets a pamphlet from richard gear who's in springfield because is because he has to be because he's a guest star she spends some time looking through the Zagat Guide to Religions first. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, at least in Lisa the Vegetarian, we, we have a reason the McCartneys are on the roof. It is a very thin reason. They at least say... Well, obviously, we'll just say that Richard Gere is friends with Lenny and Carl. That's what brought him to town. <laughs> Except he seems surprised that he's there. <laughs> well, and Lenny like is surprised. For the first time. I, I obviously... 
Well, but Carl is obviously his friend. Carl's not surprised. Only Lenny is surprised. It was actually a Christmas present from Carl to Lenny, and Lisa ruined the surprise. I'll choose to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything you guys want to add before we move on? I'll just say that you know, again, the pacing isn't great, but I think you underscore how much better or you underestimate how much better the humor is here, and what a difference that makes. I do not mind the kind of pointless first act. What I mind is kind of pointless first acts that don't make me laugh, that I don't really have a good time with. And for however superfluous or extraneous all of the rocket launching stuff may be, there's some good chuckles in it. And I think it's true for the whole episode that the, the per joke, uh, joke per minute batting average is a lot better than it has been for others. And that puts this one miles ahead of a lot of the other season 13 and season 12 episodes that surround it if for no other reason we will rank it at the end of the show no submissions for this my favorite so this episode i'm not gonna ask i'm not gonna ask because this episode is certainly not broken we don't need to fix it thank goodness thank goodness um we can however move on to our next segment it's time for for (laughs) it's time for comments of the news group okay here we are alt.nerd.obsessive Comments the news group is where I come through the old Alta TV Simpsons news group, see what people are talking about the week or two after an episode debuted, what they thought of the episode, any, any other interesting tidbits that pop up. Got some reviews, a little array of reviews. Uh, first one, loved it. All the gags fell into place, like the hooch bit and the Noid. Burns was his usual semi-competent evil self. While it's rather similar to 3FO3, that doesn't bother me because it's the app that got me interested in the show, and Lisa wasn't nearly as self-righteous this time. It well-deserved 10 out of 10, A+. Our next review. The rocket bit was pretty good, but they didn't do very much with the ads in the church bit. Uh, the new pew gag, for example, didn't seem to be in place. Then it seemed to be rehashed in the ending of Lisa the Vegetarian. Although Lisa had said she would give lip service to Christianity, the way she does to mediators. Are the writers going to go out of their way to keep Lisa away from expressing opinions of other religions? B. And finally, She of Little Faith is a thought-provoking show. Until it actually begins. The root problem might lie in the pacing. The setup is funny, but takes so long that by the time we get to Lisa's conversion, the show is only enough time to explore it in a rushed and shallow fashion. The rocket subplot probably should have been a show into itself. On the other hand, Homer comes off nicely here. Richard Gere has some good lines. Would have been better if he had played a role rather than himself. Promising episode, but ultimately it isn't Simpsons Nirvana. C+. Because Nirvana is where you seek to achieve in Buddhism. I get it. I get it. I get it. See what he did there. I see it too. Uh, I also, the other interesting thing I saw, I don't know how interesting it is, there was some arguments about the Noid can't avoid the noid. No, wait, you should avoid the noid. Avoid the noid. You should avoid the noid. But, like, the noid hadn't been a mascot for a decade at that point. Yeah, that's largely, the. I think, the, the criticism here is that the noid, at this point, was not a domino. That's dominoes, right? Noid was dominoes. Yes. Hadn't been a dominoes mascot for a decade. And... When I think I, I, I there was immediate blowback to the person who's like, the Noid is too, not a, he's not a mascot anymore. People are like, well, they referenced stuff in the 50s, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like because it was so more recent, there was a little bit criticism about it because it wasn't old enough to be like a thoughtful reference to the past. Like, where's the beef or something like that? 
it was relatively recent reference that maybe who maybe some people aren't going to get. I don't know. I think the Noid now is because it's so old, it's come back around because it's weird. It's weird, ironic worship of old, strange commercial mascots. I don't I like this conclusion. It it seems like obscure and weird enough as a spokesperson to be there that it, even if you don't know who he is specifically, it works just because it's this weird guy in a suit showing up in the church. I is the Noid human? I don't believe so. He appears to be some kind of goblin. <laughs> Humanoid. <laughs> Goblins are evil. It's probably why you should avoid the Noid. <laughs> I think that was the biggest flaw of this episode. Wait, is that honestly. why he's called the Noid? Humanoid? I just got that. Holy crap. <laughs> I all I'm learning all kinds of regardless things. Regardless of what the Noid is, you should absolutely avoid him. It's the only flaw of this episode. They did not avoid the Noid. The Noid was in church. That seems dangerous. You should not invite the Noid into church. But that's how you could tell that the church had truly lost its way. I guess that's fair. That really proved its point to me. The Noid. All right. All our, that's the most time I've said the word Noid in my entire life. <laughs> noid. Because it's not a real word, Robbie, obviously. I, it's good enough. Uh, with that, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for Listener Question of the Week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow? KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow? Our Listener Question of the Week this week is, what is your favorite Scully Years episode? Not a lot of answers on this one. Not a lot of variety. Well, I I did not, you know, oftentimes I have to pick and choose, uh, you know, and ultimately cut some of the answers because we don't have the time for everyone. Uh, not as much this time. Uh, there's a lot of people trying to par- cherry pick around the Scullyers, uh, which, you know, they there was multiple answers of the city of New York versus Homer Simpson, which was a not a Scullyers episode. It was produced by uh um why can't i remember the names oakley and weinstein oakley and Weinstein. i was trying i had weinstein i was like uh josh oakley uh weinstein oakley that was their episode so we can't i cannot count it sorry guys i agree that homer the city of homer city of new york versus homer simpson is a great episode i can't consider it a scullier's episode um so answers first from matthew home r i love the homer lisa stuff in that episode from sarah also, Homar was the most heartwarming thing that came out of those years uh, from Anthony. I really like E-I-E-I dough, to be honest. Tamako is my favorite hybrid plant. Uh, from Andrew, 30 minutes over Tokyo. It's kind of dumb and technically nowhere as good as, say, Bart the Mother. There's a high rewatchability factor. I also have a fondness for Japan. And it's the second best travel episode after Bart versus, Bert, uh, Bart versus Australia. Low bar, but still. Uh, from AJ... I'm going to list two because both are great. First is Bart the Mother as my feel-good episode. It's the last truly good Bart episode I remember. Uh, second is Joy of Sect. Just like goofy cult nonsense, and this mockery of cults was perfect for my weird tastes. Uh, from Alejandro, the trilogy of error. That one is good. What happened there? Uh, from, <laughs> from Abby, uh, Energy <laughs> Turtle, uh, Scared Sense of Snow, just because it upsets Robbie so much for me to say that. But seriously, I think the silliness works in this episode, and I'm a sucker for any Christmas-related episode of pretty much any show. Uh, from Jeremy at Mike 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 me I I apologize I can't pronounce that I really love Lisa the Tree it was always been one of the episodes I've enjoyed to come back to is some good jokes who could forget the level four vegan joke 
Lisa Trigger. Yeah, I like that is that's the best episode or best joke in that episode by far. Uh, Steven at Steven S D E Redhead trilogy of error trilogy of error purely for Linguo and his interaction with Legs and Louis. Uh, Derek at Ismis Derek. The, f- the, f- the feel of Trilogy of Air is undoubtedly post-classic, and it proves that episodes in this new, more jokey style can work if effort is put into it. The conceit doesn't feel gimmicky, and it's paced and it's pa- pacey and entertaining. It's not quintessential Simpsons, but it ain't zombie Simpsons. Uh, from Severn at Severn VM, my favorites. Trash of the Titans, Reality, Realty Bites, The Cartridge Family, Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner, It's a Mad, 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 Mad Marge. But of these, Trash of the Titans is my instinctual answer. I love episodes about politics in the Simpsons world. And finally, from Pat at Patrick Evans 2, Girly Edition, the greatest power in media, the human interest story. Matt, what is your answer? I got to go with Homer or Homar, however you want to pronounce it. It just, I really do like a lot of these episodes. Uh, Trash of the Titans is great. Um, the Cartridge Family. I still like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I know it's not your great trilogy of error. It's fantastic. But it really comes down to how much Homer feels like an episode that does not belong it feels like a episode that was written for like season eight uh when they were in their very deconstructionary phase uh and just got moved somehow into the future uh you know it, it just it has homer being a very homer person and it, it's a little out there in terms of plot but it has homer and lisa acting like themselves and it just it feels good that to know that that was still in the simpsons uh writer's capacity andrew what's your answer so I think the the actual answer is probably Trilogy of Air, if only for the ambition and execution. But I'm going to give a shout out to my sentimental favorite, uh, This Little Wiggy, for having some of my favorite Ralph quotes and for it being arguably the last time that the show treated Ralph like an actual person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My answer is Mom and Pop Art. Ooh. I mm-hmm. I I really like it. It has a, I have a soft spot in my heart for it. Uh, I, I I think Bart the Mother is theoretically better. I, Trilogy of Error, I think, is better, quote unquote. But I, you know, Mama Pop Art is, it's that, it's the, the it's it's written by Al Jean, which I don't think is a coincidence that it also has a lot of heart in it. But it also has that touch of Scully or insanity that actually works. You know, there we do have those handful of episodes where like those the weird, zany, insane cartooniness ends up working in and in, in makes it funny and this is i think one of them because it you have homer the i homer just charging at that grill with an umbrella i don't i love it it's, i love it i love it um next week's question what is your favorite moment in church Ooh, i think i have my answer already i have one that immediately springs to mind and it's usually what i go with but I have to think about it a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that happens in uh, in, in church. And we there's and obviously this could be any church, even though they largely only go to the one. Per se, maybe there's also been several like Catholic episodes or you know weird what offs here and there. there. I mean, your favorite moment could be like Andrew's answer. I'm sure is Richard Gere in the Buddhist temple. <laughs> I was going to say not to tip my hand too much, but, you know, remember, we do have to look at God's beautiful glass. uh, Damn it. What is the line? God's beautiful crystal parquet floor. (laughs) There you go. Eyes always on the floor. Eyes on the floor. Um, But that will be next week's question. I'll post it on all the social media, facebook.com slash the Simpson show pod on Twitter at Simpson show pod. And you can email us at Simpson show pod at gmail.com. We can move on to our next segment. It is time. For the no-go trivia challenge. 
I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard. And try and stump the other. I have a narrow lead on this season so far. Three points. Uh, I'm hoping I can keep it up. Unfortunately, Andrew's here to gum up the works, I'm sure. Yes, Get- how dare he ask fair questions. I take offense to that. Uh yeah, alright. Just I'll just I'm I I'll I'll go look at Andrew's big giant tub of softballs he has ready for for Matt. And then the, the he like he puts a he spits on a he gets a spitball going for me, throws weird screwballs, knuckleballs, I, dance all I, I around. Think you both- I think you both think that I give you the harder questions, which I take a certain amount of pride in, in, in showing my equanimity. Yeah, but Mar- Matt's smarter, Andrew, so it doesn't work out as... That is not true. I take offense at that. Okay. Matt, are you ready for an easy question? I'm ready. These are all from your favorite episode, The Computer Menace Wore Red Shoes. Ooh, boy. Uh, of course you would ask about this one. Oh. <laughs> Your easy question, what alias does Homer use on his website? I believe it is Mr. X. That is correct. All right. All of your questions are from Homer versus Lisa and the Eighth Commandment. Uh, In this episode, what does Homer steal that, you know, makes Lisa mad? Cable television. You are correct. Ultimately a boxing match, but, you know, cable television to start at least. Right. Your medium question, Matt. How long has number six worked? Number six worked on his escape plan from the island. Uh oh! I believe it has taken him a year. That is incorrect, man. Oh, Andrew, do you have an answer? What is? I, I saw this episode not very long ago, and I still don't know. It's like I'm gonna say twenty-two years, six months, thirty-three years is the answer. Wait, does he really say that? He says it. That's how it. it, it it is 33 years. Very long time. He's been, you know, with a boat that's made out of scabs and toilet paper, it would take a long time. Well, that is definitely true. Just to gather the supplies. Yeah, I mean, how often do you... Do you okay, we're, I don't want to talk about skin. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'm ready. All right. Your medium question. How much does the crooked cable guy charge for his hookup? 50 bucks. Dang, you are correct. That was just the first answer came to mind. Apparently it worked. Gotta go. I, I Too often I don't go with my gut and it costs me points. So now I basically from now on I just immediately go with my gut. Your final question. Well, your final question for me today. Your hard question. What are the reasons the other prisoners are on the island aside from Homer? We are given three distinct prisoners oh, and the reasons that they are on the island. Okay, uh, one knows the secret of turning water into gasoline. I need their number. Oh, come on. (laughs) Screw you, man. (laughs) That is... It's a hard question. I have no idea what any of their numbers are. One's a bottomless pita bag, one's water into gasoline, and I forget what the third one is, but I don't know any of their damn numbers. Oh, come on. Matt, that's not true. That's not true. What do you mean that's not true? Fine. Uh, number 12 is the bottomless peanut bag, 14 is the water into gasoline, and, uh, what is the third one? I have no idea. Well, one, first of all, first of all, 
You got two. There's the there two of them are turn water and a gasoline in the bottom Smina bag. But uh-huh. you know, I know you know this that the guy played by Patrick McGowan. We watched all those prisoner episodes. You know he's right. number. You know he's number six. Right, but he isn't in that scene. Is yes, he? he he's the narrator. He's the oh. one introducing all the people, and he says, "I invented the bottomless peanut bag." Oh, that's right. Now I remember. Ugh, I put that terrible episode on my head. <laughs> I still have a soft spot for it. Uh, in twenty-seven, <laughs> turns water into gasoline. In twelve, the third is they know the deadly secret behind Tic Tacs. Tic Tacs. That's right. I really got to start asking you tougher questions. This is getting out of hand. What's my hard question, bud? Your hard question. What is the name of the show that Bart charges the kids to see? Oh, um... Top Hat Theater? You're close. Uh, That is almost the name of the channel. The actual show is Broadcast Nudes. Oh. (laughs) Isn't it Stardust Mammaries? (laughs) That is one of them as well, yeah. That's that's the other one. That's the, uh, uh, okay, the one that, okay. uh, Homer catches Bart uh, watching. Gotcha. Stardust memories. My God. All right, Andrew. I assume you brought us questions. I did indeed. Uh, start. Go ahead. Start with Matt. Okay. Well, so just to let you guys know, all of these questions have to do with the First Church of Springfield. Oh goodness. So Matt, your easy question: What is Reverend Lovejoy's first name? Uh, Timothy. That is correct. Robbie, your easy question. What is the wife of Reverend Lovejoy's first name? Helen. That is also correct. Helen Lovejoy. She's a gossip, Andrew. I guess, well, is, that, is that her career? I should not refer to her as, as <laughs> Lovejoy's wife. I should let her Homemaker. Uh, take her own achievements in her own right. I, she's also an entrepreneur. That's true. She's an investor at. Where, when, okay, I'm asking, when are we getting... Uh, correct me if this has happened because i haven't seen everything in the algene years have we there's never been a, a multi-level marketing episode has there pyramid scheme episode with housewives of the of springfield king of the hill does it yeah i don't, I don't think there has been on the simpsons there should be oh homer sells knives at some point that's true not quite that's not quite the pyramid scheme level that i'm looking for Knives are knife salesmen are that's a genuine it's just it's a bad job, but it's not a pyramid scheme job. It's just bad sales job. I don't think you have to try and recruit other people to sell knives for you, <laughs> even though the idea of that is very funny. Um all right. Well, what are what are our medium questions, Andrew? So Matt, your medium question. In the joy of sect. What does Marge put in the collection plate to get Reverend Lovejoy to help her with the movementarians? Oh, uh, I believe she puts her wedding ring in. You are correct. Robbie, mm-hmm. your medium question. Mm-hmm. In Bart's girlfriend, Marge scolds Homer for putting what into the collection plate? See, I knew the wedding ring answer, Andrew. See, that's the <laughs> thing. I knew the wedding ring answer. And then you give me the one that I don't. Okay. It's... Not mono- I don't think it's Monopoly money. It's Robert. You want to phone a friend? No, I'm not phoning. This is not who wants to be a millionaire, Matt. I can't. And who am I going to call? You? That's what I'm saying. That's the point because I know the answer. No, I'm I to insinuate. No, that. no, I don't want to phone a friend. I don't get points if you know the answer. Uh, I'm gonna say it's like a coupon or something, or like uh, or like a business card for a like a sponge or some stupid 
I'm gonna say it's. A, <laughs> it's I'm gonna say it. I like it's a business card for a sponge. You got a business card from a no, sponge. No, no, I said or I said or a sponge. I did not say for okay. a sponge. I said or Fair a sponge. Enough. I miss her. I'm gonna say a coupon for some restaurant. Matt, I'm tempted to give him one point for that. I don't know. I mean, it's a coupon, but it's not even for restaurants. It's twenty cents off Shake and Bake. Thirty cents off shake and bake. Sorry, thirty cents off. Thirty. All right, that's five. the coupon. I got it wrong, so give him give him a point. <laughs> it is a coupon. What if I just said coupon? Is that not good enough? No. <laughs> I mean, Andrew's the arbiter here, not you, Matt. He decides. I mean, it's really good. I, I am an interloper to your trivia game, so I feel like you, any any judgment has to be made by the uh, the non question party. I mean, if Matt says I can take a point, I will take a point. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Matt, your hard question. Also in Bart's girlfriend, what four incidents does Jessica Lovejoy bring up to her dad to remind him that she was kicked out of boarding school? Oh, uh, I believe it was the church ch- uh, church chapel collection plate. The um, I think it was a cherry bomb incident. Um, oh man, oh, what was the other? I can tell you what he's singing to drown her out. It's <laughs> <laughs> the easier query. I know because that's what I'm. That's always what I'm paying attention to because of how funny that is. Um, it's effective, apparently. Yeah, and then she starts screaming, "Pay attention to me!" Um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I'm not going to waste time. The answer is number one: the pipe bomb. Pipe number bomb. two: the Glee Club brawl. Oh, number. Number three, the school chapel collection plate. And number four, exploding toilets. Though in fairness, that may be part of the pipe bomb. It's not clear. That's true. Robbie, your hard question. Mm-hmm. In, in Marge We Trust, what four problems does Ned Flanders ask Reverend Lovejoy for advice on in Lovejoy's I Just Stopped Caring montage? <laughs> uh... Um, <laughs> I I don't remember. I uh, I know one of them is I know I'm something, but I could be more something. I forget what it is. It's like that's, I think I think right. Yeah, I don't I don't remember what the thing is. It's like I am something. I could be. It's like pious or humble or 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 it's probably a less used word i think it's like a very strange oh it's a very biblical word robbie yeah i realize that i know um of course matt knows the answer uh i i think he accidentally uh, yeah oh that one he accidentally uh bumped another man while they were dancing i believe he accidentally touched the butt of another man while he was dancing um uh, i don't have anything else i think that's it you're you're close robbie you're close you you all right, I'll let Andrew do it. Here, go, go for it, Matt. Uh, I believe it was also, I'm meek, but I could probably stand to be meeker. And I think I that's swallowed correct. a toothpick. So you, that's it's correct. So it's, it is insufficient meekness, swallowing a toothpick. Uh, his buttocks coming into the contact with the buttocks of another young man while doing the bump. And he both forgot coveting his own wife. <laughs> that's right. Coveting his own wife. I didn't, well, that's... To be fair, I didn't know when when you asked Matt that question about listing Jessica Lovejoy's 
crimes, I was just shaking my head because I don't, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember. Maybe you were too busy singing along to singing, uh, pardon me, bringing in the sheaves while that was happening. I mean, it's a catchy jingle. That's how they should have gotten Lisa back into the fold with a catchy biblical jingle. Of course. Onward, Christian Soldier. That was always my favorite hymn. It's macho, you know, very masculine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, let's talk about more about my Christian school years. Um, Ooh, wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> yeah. It's great. I, 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 after this week, I have surprised myself. I'm still one point up on Matt. Yes, I'm coming back. I mean, I'm one point up on you today, Matt. I'm four points up on you in general. Oh, damn it. Really? Really? Darn yeah, Andrew with his it. unfair questions. I mean, to be well, fair, I would have had been two points up if you had given me the wedding ring question instead of your coupon question. Shake and bake. <laughs> 30 30 cents off i mean i guess i i gave you a point sir <laughs> i know uh, i'm just saying my question is i'm assuming in like 1993 that 30 cents was more meaningful because if i see a coupon today for 30 cents i'm not even wasting the time I need a, at least 50 cents off before I'm... I'm. Well, yeah, this this was back in, like, the early seasons when 30 cents was still money. It's not like today where, you know, you can find 30 cents just flying around. Flying around. You spendthrift millennials. <laughs> <laughs> we're killing a lot. We're Too killing. good for a 30 cent shake and bake coupon. We're killing... I, I mean, I what we're killing shake and bake, that's for sure. We're killing golf and we're killing diamond rings. Killing... I still put it in my coffee. Diamond rings? Shake and bake. I know. I'm just it's a joke. I'm, I, I'm joke resistant. I know. <laughs> I was trying. I understood what you were saying. I was trying to, you know, yes and here. You know? Yes. I get your reference. Yes, yes, yes and. Um, so that that's, I'm now, I'm now, I'm even further up on Matt. I am totally happy with that. Matt still hasn't paid for his last season. The last time he, the one time I beat him, he still hasn't paid for that. Uh, of course, I didn't do anything for last season New Year yet. So, yeah, exactly. We're gonna have to figure this things out eventually, but stuff takes time. I think the next bet should be trash cookies, right? I mean, that's just every day, Andrew. Like, that's not a punishment. It's the challenge. If I, I mean, if I opened my trash can and there was just cookies sitting on top of whatever was in there. I don't throw away cat crap like Matt does. So well, there's literally well, hold on, hold on. The real question is, what if they were oatmeal cookies? I love oatmeal cookies. Oh, okay, just making sure. You know, uh, oatmeal cookies are good. What's wrong with oatmeal cookies? Oatmeal cookies are good. They are good, but uh, there are several people's least favorite. So I wasn't sure. You know, I don't have a least favorite cookie. All right, I have cookies I might prefer over others, but there is no cookie that I go. I I'm not cooking. I'm not kicking any cookie out of bed. All right. I don't care what kind of cookie you're presenting to me. I will eat it unless it's some weird abomination that has mint in it. Hey, mint is good, damn it. I don't I don't want toothpaste in my cookies or in my desserts in general. Thank you very much. Oh, Robbie, it's amazing how wrong you can be. The trivia tally so far proves otherwise. Thank you very much. Ka-ching. How many seasons have you won? Oh, uh, let's not talk about that right now. Let's move ah, on. Let's move on to our segment. The immediate path. Our last segment of the segment we end every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever. 
and how good they are. All right. This is a tricky one, Matt. I don't even, I'm kind of, I'm trying to find a place to start. Well, I mean, we did compare this pretty favorably to at least the vegetarian. We could always start from there, but obviously it's, go down. Yeah, it's not better. That's the thing. I know it's not. I'm looking at like, uh, how about, here's another Lisa episode. Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, that's season two, so it's Three. it's still got some issues to be worked out. But I don't think this episode is quite as good as that, but we're definitely in the neighborhood. Okay, how about 30 minutes over Tokyo? That is a tougher one. Um, that is one, one of the better travel episodes. One of the better travel episodes, one of the better Scully year episodes. But it's just, it's a very random episode. So it's got a lot of the issues we, we have with all of the Scully episodes. And I think this one has started to transition away from those. Uh, it's it's really close. What number is that one? Well, that is 176. Well, Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington is 173. Right below 30 minutes over Tokyo is Das Bus. Your favorite. Yeah, right above that is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So, And Brother, Can You Spare Two Dimes? Yeah. I would probably put this right above 30 Minutes Over Tokyo, but right below Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But I'm not super confident about that, if you're feeling frisky. No, I would say that that's probably a good spot for it. I think this is more cohesive than 30 Minutes Over Tokyo. I think it is... I mean, it's a Lisa episode, so, so again, I'm biased in that regard. I think the writing is better in this. I, I don't know if it's funnier, because 30 Minutes Over Tokyo is is pretty funny, uh, but it also also ends with Godzilla grabbing the airplane. Well, this ends with, you know, a, a happy family moment, basically. So I'm inclined to put this higher than 30 Minutes Over Tokyo. I think Oh Brother Where I Thought is better uh just because it's kind of it it's not a super exciting episode but i think it is very reliable in and it is actually pretty dense so i think that's actually a good spot for it i would argue probably i think it's just above uh 30 minutes over tokyo and just below a brother art thou that make it 176 does that sound okay that sounds good to me Actually, 170, I need to, we, our numbers are all messed up. You need to fix this. Of course. I, you know. I'm the person whose job it is to maintain the spreadsheet. Who's, it's, is it my job? It is your job. I mean, I just did it, so you're welcome. <laughs> it's number 175 on our list is She of Little Faith. What do you think about that, Andrew? I think it's reasonable. I would probably bump it lower, despite the fact that I think I like the episode better than either of you, but only because I think there's some episodes I really like that are are lower on the list. So it's a good good place for it. Well, that tells you that sometimes we may focus on the negative parts of the episode more than the positive parts, but ultimately we might, you know, it's easier to talk about the bad things than the good things. You can only say th something's funny in so many ways. Well, if you start using different funky accents, you could, could vary it up. It's funny! Okay, I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> See? That's how that's how good I am at things. I can immediately, immediately make people's uh, perceptions change. You're right? persuasive, Robbie. Persuasive, very yeah, persuasive. exactly. Uh, so that's number 175 on our list. Last place is still... Let me, let me scroll down. Simpsons Safari. Just make sure it hasn't moved. And first place is Homer's Enemy. 
Uh, you can find this list on our website, thesipshow.com, including links to our Facebook, to our Twitter, to our RSS feed, and a link to our Patreon. If you want to throw us a couple dollars, we'd obviously appreciate it. Our next episode is Brawl in the Family. Oh, boy. Uh, do we have, have to? Have fun with that. <laughs> Gabriel's in it. And Wings. And there's a cougar, right? Yes, trying to get their lunch, and then I believe they're also reading books uh, to attempt to get them down. Or maybe it's uh, isn't aren't they doing like some kind of knitting, waiting for the Simpsons to get down? I have no idea. It sounds just stupid enough to be right. <laughs> like we said, not necessarily a smooth <laughs> journey, smooth segue from Scully years to the Algene, uh, Algene years. And in Brawl of the Family is one of those speed bumps. Won't be the only one, but it is the first. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Um, before we go, uh, you can find all this stuff at our website. I already said that. You can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Or you can go check out my website. is RobbieDorman.com. Include links to all my podcasts and a link to purchase my new book, Truth. Available now. You already heard an ad for it very beginning of the show so i won't repeat all that stuff now you can read it for free on kindle unlimited if you forgot about that um andrew where can they find all the stuff you did you wrote a companion piece a companion review of this where can they find that where can our listeners read they, your read your stuff they can find it and links to my writing from all across the web at my website which is theandrewblog.net as always it's three words theandrewblog.net uh, you can also find me as part of Consequence of Sounds, expanded film and TV coverage. And I'll add that if you like stories of young women pushing back against the influence of the wealthy elite like this one, you might also enjoy my review for the new season of Veronica Mars, which is on Consequence of Sound right now. And you can always find me on Twitter at the Andrew Blog. So thanks as always for having me, guys. And congratulations on making it out of the wilderness. And everybody go read Robbie's book. Both of them. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. Uh, I have decided, however, that uh, I am going to run away to Australia uh, because uh, there I won't be the largest, strangest animal uh, for once. Uh, it's something different for me. I give it a change. So if you have any messages for me, feel free to just write it on a drop there. It'll eventually hit me in the head. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching the Sipsets. Shh.